Well, greetings. Welcome to the Dividing Line. I am noticing, looking at uh, social media, that when uh, Shepherd's Conference is on, my my feed is just filled with all sorts of pictures. Uh, evidence, evidently, the Ligonier Conference is going on, and I have no pictures at all. It's just very, very different. It's very interesting. i uh, got a couple things around me I need to uh, take care of. Uh, there was something waiting for me when I came in, this uh, lovely silver necklace from... Lisa's Lovely's Jewelry um, said that um, we, we, it could be for the uh, mobile studio or whatever needs your ministry may have. Well, it's around my neck now, so I guess that's the need of the ministry. Um, but uh, very much appreciative of, uh, of that. That is a good uh, reminder that the um, fundraising program continues. Uh to pay for the RV that uh, next week, yes, next week, uh, the programs will be coming to you from um, from there. Not from they'll be coming from the kitchen table. Um, Rich and I were just discussing how we're going to start tackling getting that uh, studio put in there. I don't know if we're going to get it done before the May trip or not. Uh, I would assume we would at least get the bed out of there by then. Um, but um, we will see. But uh, next week, heading up to Salt Lake City for the debate on Saturday. Um, on the subject, is um, is ethics possible without God or is God necessary for morality? I forget what exact the title is, but uh at the University of Utah uh hopefully you'll be able to here in the area to make that uh particular a uh, two on two debate once again we will have people at all the doors uh screening for any uh fluids related to automobiles trucks or anything uh, like that at all we'll try to avoid any of that uh this time this time around um i forgot to do this last time my apologies um uh, this is a, a very nice uh, wood working. It's even got an alpha and omega on the back. Look at that. That's, uh, that's the logo right there. Um, similar, you know, I have, I have the empty tomb up there. I had this in the background and forgot to tell you all about it. Um, so uh, Collins Company Woodworking um, is making a, uh, is, is helping with the uh, fundraiser. By and I'll put this on the when I do the write up. Well, I'll try to remember to do this when I do the write up. It's an hour from now. Who can remember anything for an hour? Um, when you mention, uh, I'll give you the the ability to uh, contact them. And when you mention Alpha Omega Ministries and buy one of these, uh, a certain portion of that twenty dollars that actually will be sent toward the um, RV. Uh, fundraiser so it's very nicely done and it says uh he is not here for he has ridden, risen just as he said from matthew 28 6 and uh so i will put that back where well, i had it down here so i would i would remember because if it's behind you i don't generally look behind me I, I mean i can i can see stuff back there but i'm generally not looking at that either um so thank you very much uh, for that and i'll like i said i'll put the information on the uh the write-up um Next thing, uh, if you got the Fractals book from um, Jason Lyle last year, remember? It was a paperback. And I, 
at the time, the thought sort of crossed my mind, you know, with all the really fancy photography and stuff like that in there, that'd be better as a, you know, if, it's, if you're going to have it as, as a tabletop type book, it'd be better as a hardback. And they thought the same thing. So just to let you know that it is now out in, uh, in a hardback and uh, really bright, beautiful, fractal stuff that uh, it, I'm not going to go all, don't worry, I'm not going off that direction today, but I just remember talking with Jason about fractals years and years ago because I'd been doing fractal art forever. And once in a while, I still still fire up a program and rip one out and people think I'm weird. But uh, Jason Lyle, Fractals, The Secret Code of Creation, uh, available in hardback now if you wanted to uh, get it in that form. Yes, they actually put it out. They're, they're saying the... Um, they're saying the uh, secret part openly. Here is the obscurity of scripture by KCJ Chalk. You know, when people abandon the faith, they abandon uh, sola scriptura and justification by faith and, and all the rest of that stuff. Um, sometimes they just become real zealots uh, for, what, for whatever they end up um, grabbing hold of. It's not just Roman Catholicism, uh, but there are certain Eastern Orthodox people that are the same and, and people that go various directions. Uh, but it, it just, it still stuns me uh, that someone didn't say, you know, I'm not sure that's the best title that we should go for. I mean, that's really putting it straight out there and saying, yep, here's where we're coming from. The obscurity of scripture. Um, yeah, we'll be saying some more about that because I am mentioned in the book, but interestingly enough, <laughs> rather errantly. Um, let's just say that um, the, author's, the author's credibility as a researcher or writer is not overly assisted by the couple of comments he makes in my direction. We will, uh, we will take a look at that uh, as, time, as time allows. Um, had, to, had to show it. Um, here is... Uh, here is the uh, 2023 Reform Podcast Championship uh, trophy uh, that uh, has been uh, delivered to us. It's got a little heft to it. It it it's it's not really a microphone, but I've felt microphones that were lighter, um, and uh, I'm afraid to try to twist it at all or anything like that for what might happen. But um, there is, this is not the golden EIB microphone. This is more of the silver painted, um, yeah, the switch, the on-off switch doesn't work. Um, silver painted reform podcast microphone or something like that. And uh, so I've already sent a picture um, to uh, to Jeff Durbin. Haven't heard back from him yet. Um there may be there may be a reason for that why I've not heard back from him. I'll just um, for now, you know, just just for now, we'll we'll put it. I, that's sort of hidden a little bit, but I'll I'll, I'll put it back there for now. Um, just yeah, yeah. Don't careful. He he can still he can still kick your teeth out with, while he's standing right in front of you. So just be very. Very, very careful about anything you say about uh, about Brother Jeff. Uh, <clears throat> so, is that everything I had here? I, th I did. I get did I get through all those little things. There was there was some stuff that I needed to 
need to do deal with there. And um, and and there we go. So I want to make sure those things were were out there. Uh, I had. I'm not going to revisit uh, anything from the last program. Uh, all I can tell you is that the individual that uh, we responded to on last program just doesn't seem to want to get it. <laughs> just, and everybody told me, I guess I had not had any interactions in the past, but everybody told me that that's what was going to happen. That uh, it was, it was just going to keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. And, and I'm like, ah, oh, no, I think I think we can be pretty clear about this and sort of, um, no, it didn't work that way. Um, that's sort of how things are in social media. But hey, as long as somebody, as long as other people were blessed and other people were helped to understand what the issues are, that's all that uh, that's all that really matters. And that's that's good. Oh, the other thing I was going to mention. A little bit tired today. I'm going to move a little bit slow. Um, and uh, the reason for that. Uh, is I was out last night. This is pretty stunning for me. Not only was I not in bed by 9.30 last night, um, I I didn't get home till just before midnight last night. And for me, that is really, really, really unusual. But uh, last evening, we've been looking forward to this for you know, three, four months ever since the schedule was announced. But uh, yesterday, Skillet was in town, and so uh, my son and I went over about 1.30 in the afternoon and uh, hung out with uh, John and Seth, and then uh, Corey and Jen came over, and uh, then my wife showed up, and she had gotten some little things for the girls, and it was funny because uh, we're sitting there talking about a lot of stuff. I mean, when when we all get together and start having these confabs, we... We 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 cover we cover the waterfront as far as topics are concerned, and uh, once uh, summer and the grand grandkids uh, arrived, um, all of a sudden I, I I sort of looked around. And I noticed it was a fairly large. It was, I guess you could call it a dressing room because it had all sorts of lights and mirrors and stuff. So it was a dressing room, but it you know had couches and stuff, and it was it was really rather large. This is downtown Phoenix. I don't like going to downtown Phoenix, <laughs> but that's where I had to go. And um, all of a sudden I realized, oh, in fact, here, this is funny. Uh, right as I said that, uh, my son just posted a video on on Twitter. I mean, right now, two minutes ago, this just popped up. And it's of the room and you can see exactly what I was about to start talking about. And that is, you've got the guys. So you've got uh, John and um, his son and Seth and Luke Pearson from Apologia. We're over on one side talking theology and stuff like that. And then all the girls ended up on the other side. It's not like anybody was forced anything. It just... We've all seen that happen. You, you've gone to all sorts of church functions, and it just a natural conversational segregation takes place. And the ladies are over talking about ladies stuff, and the guys are talking about guy stuff, and and that's that, it just happens naturally. So I'm just I'm watching the the video right now, and uh, so you can see uh, Jen and Corey and Summer and 
and uh, Luke's wife and uh, my wife and there's Clem and yeah, we're all they're all over there doing the, the girl thing and we're over here doing the guy thing and um, that's how it worked. So, uh, you know, eventually we had to go out and uh, join all the hoi polloi in the uh, in the in the uh, uh, auditorium. It was a nice big auditorium, big, big, big crowd uh, that was there. But we had to endure the the band before them, and everybody they're not the band before them was not Christians, and I put these earphone things in, you know, the not earphone but earplug things for going to concerts because I'm I'm not I can't hear anything anymore anyways I can't lose what little I've got, and uh, so this other band is playing and and I'm answering emails <laughs> I don't care, um. And I, I thought I, I heard some stuff, and I, but I'm not really listening to the words. Right? I'm just like, you know, just waiting for Skillet, because they, the, they were the final act. And I don't know when it was, but at some point after one of the songs, I was informed that my granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter, Cadence, after the song was over and it, was really, it got really quiet, she yelled out, Repent! <laughs> I guess, I guess there was some language in one of the songs that was uh, that was inappropriate, and so one of my granddaughters uh, informed them of what they needed to do in light of that. So, so uh, yeah, we didn't get out of there till ten forty five, ten fifty, and then this stinking earplug on the left side broke and wouldn't come out. That was not fun. That was not fun. To get a sharp, thin pair of tweezers, your wife with a with a flashlight and tweezers uh, going after that. Um, yeah, that was that was not enjoyable at all. <laughs> I, I'm I'm thinking I should go on to Amazon and leave a review for those particular um, um, things. Um, but we we did get it out, thankfully. And that was a very, very frustrating experience. But it was, it was great to hang with uh, John and Corey and Jen and Seth and um, uh, were treated really wonderfully and, and as we always are whenever we get together when Skillet's in town. So um, uh, they're just about done with this, uh, this tour and then they'll be heading home. And uh, John's got a book coming out in May and uh, hopefully around that time we'll be able to have him on. And who knows, maybe from the new, the new studio and then, in uh, in the new uh, RV, yeah, that would be that would be great to have that that work out. So, um, all right. So with uh, with all of that said, um, last time that we were well, the time before last time when we were together. Um, now you're not supposed to have started. Stop that. I don't know. I had this queued up, but I didn't get to it. And I said, we'll get to it in the future. It's a uh, video posted. I, I don't know where it was posted from. I don't know who the guy with Derek Webb is. But, uh, and I don't know why they're in a church. That doesn't make much sense either. Um, but Soteriology 101 posted a video of Derek Webb some other guy, like I said, I don't know who it is, having a conversation. It's short. 
And it's very sad. We've we've talked on the program before about Derek's apostasy. And I've listened to a number of his podcasts that were, again, very, very sad to listen to because here you have someone with a with a fair amount of head knowledge. Um but and 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 still possesses all of it and still can enunciate it as he will in this in this video. But as everybody knows, um uh there was uh, infidelity in his marriage resulted in a divorce and that resulted in um crash and burn as far as Derek's faith was concerned and I I remember I was in San Francisco. Well, Mill Valley. These days, probably best to differentiate. Other side of the bridge. Um, teaching at Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary when it was still in existence there in Mill Valley. When and I don't remember how it worked out. I think someone I think someone pointed to a maybe a, a liner note in one of the albums from Cademan's Call. That might have been it. I don't know. Somehow we got we got hooked up. Somehow someone contacted me and said, "Hey, Cademan's call is talking about you, and you know you can contact him in this way or something." I don't remember exactly how it was, but we got hooked up. And uh, Derek was a primary guy that, in fact, really the only guy uh, from Cademan's call that that I had any conversation with. And I do remember very clearly um, he performed in Scottsdale at some point. And I went out and we, I got together with him beforehand, before he went out and performed and stuff like that. And we had conversation. And uh, No, he never contacted me with questions, concerns. Hey, I'm not sure about the faith anymore. Da, 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 that, that's not how it generally takes place in in these situations. And so it was it's it's been sad to see what has happened um as a result um in the years since then. But since he knew reformed theology, then he brings this up in this conversation and of course then it's used as an as an objection uh by Soteriology 101 but of course, Soteriology 101 would use any objection from anyone from any perspective um, because its whole purpose is imbalanced. So why not? You use anything you can. Uh, this, this is what Soteriology 101 is. Soteriology 101 is not Soteriology 101. That's the problem. The name is nondescriptive. It's anti-Calvinism 101. It's not soteriology 101. There's, there's no balanced attempt to discuss anything in regards to the entire field of soteriology by any stretch of the imagination. It's just all anti-Calvinism, anti-Calvinism. So, but I want to I want to listen to this discussion and hopefully have some positive comment on it uh, from that point. So let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, and listen in. And with my Christian friends who try to convince me of this, I say, listen, like, I don't know why you're trying to persuade me. 
Hmm. Because your own Bible says it's a gift. that it's a gift, it's the work of the Spirit start to finish, it's a, it's the, a removing of a heart of stone or replacing with a heart of flesh. That is not something you can do for me. Yeah. So if it's true, we're both depending on the Spirit to show yeah. up. I'm literally in the grave next to Lazarus yeah. waiting, for to the hear, waiting, waiting to hear my name. Yeah. And I'm going to lay in there dead till he shows up. Yeah. Somebody asked me uh, near the beginning of this year living Christianly, well, what would it take for you to believe? What would it take for you mm. to believe in God? That's easy. God would have to give me faith yeah, yeah. because um, I can't yeah. reach out and yeah. grab it. What it would take is a miracle. It would take a miracle. Yeah, it would. Like, and, and what, 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 what does it take for a dead man to come, out of his, to come six feet out of the ground? Yeah. It takes someone to dig him out, yep. to open the box and revive him. Breathe into his nostrils. And, and the Bible makes it very clear that there is nothing less spiritually than that going on. Yeah. In salvation. Absolute new life. New life from death to life. Yeah. And that's what would be required. Yeah. And and I I, I And I'm open to that. it. I'm I mean I'm oh, literally yeah. I'm literally in the grave waiting to hear my name. Yeah, anytime. anytime. If, that, if that's the case. Because if there is gonna be a work of the spirit going on, I want in. And I won't be able to resist it. And yeah. I can't call out for it. Yeah. I cannot coax him over. Yeah. Either my name is written in the book of life or it's not. Yeah. But there's a point where I said, you know what, maybe, maybe God made me and fashioned me for destruction. Yeah. And so there's nothing I'm going to be able to do to change his mind about it. So maybe it's all real and I'm just not chosen. Hmm. And with my So that man, there is a lot of really important stuff there. And unfortunately, the vast majority of people today, because of the the kinds of attitudes they have toward evangelism, and what evangelism is and wh- how they've seen it being done. They, they see something like this and they just don't even, they don't know how to respond to it because here's someone who once professed the faith and knows elements of biblical revelation. Um, and they're using that, as an excuse for their rebellion. Um, and there were, there were a number of songs that Cademan's Call had that Derek was involved in writing that talked about a biblical anthropology, a biblical understanding of the deadness of man and sin and the, the graciousness of grace and the power of God in raising dead sinners to, to life. But you, you hear what's being used here is again, I've listened to others of his webcasts, and so he doesn't use any profanity and stuff like that. He does on his regular webcast rather regularly. Um, but here you've got someone who's living in rebellion against God's ways and knows it, and has said in other contexts, you know, um, even, even back then, I, I just wasn't really really, really convinced of what it was I was saying. Um, and so this deconstruction stuff and all the rest of that stuff, that's the type of language that he utilizes very regularly. He's actually had some, some interaction, if I recall correctly, within the past two years, I think, with John Cooper, who I was just talking about earlier. Anyway, and he's using this as, as the excuse. I'm, I'm open to the work of the spirit. Really? If you if you understand, well, if you did understand, then you know that the spirit 
takes out a heart of stone, gives a heart of flesh. I think he even used that, that language. If you are in a situation where your heart of stone is very happy where it is, and you are fulfilling your lusts, fulfilling your self-centered desires, you're not, you're not willing uh, to, to turn from that lifestyle, and you're just going, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because I can't do anything else. That's, that's utilizing grace as a shield from the very conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. Because you're showing, you're showing, I'm sorry, as someone who can just sit there sipping, looks like Starbucks, um, sipping a Starbucks cup in some kind of a, I don't know what kind of a church it was. Again, I don't know what the original context of this was. A person sitting there sitting, sipping a Starbucks does not seem to me to be a person who is serious about the state of their soul. Uh, nothing I can do about it. You know, just gonna, it's just going to take a miracle. Well, it's true. It is going to take a miracle. But that miracle cl- clearly isn't taking place in you right now because you're just showing no concern about it at all. When you see the Spirit of God moving in people in Scripture, men and brethren, what must we do to be saved? That's, there, there is a, there is a uh, change that takes place. And he's saying, well, I, I can't change my own heart. That's true. You, you cannot change your own heart. And you're giving evidence in having this knowledge that your heart has not been changed. But then the, scare, the truly scary part is to then go, and that's okay. Uh, you know, um, maybe that's just, just where I am. Maybe I'm just not chosen. Yeah, maybe you're not. Yeah, maybe you're, maybe you're not. It doesn't change the fact that you have been given light and you're going to be judged based upon the amount of light that you've been given. That, that should be terrifying, not sippifying. <laughs> you know, if you're just sitting there, yeah, maybe I'm not elect. I don't know. You know, you know what you're doing in your life. You know your thoughts. You know your language. You know the satisfaction you're getting. Oh, I, I realize, believe me, I've, it is not soul-fulfilling satisfaction. There's no way. Um, but let me, let me just ask, what if, what if God wants to make a... What, what, I'm asking everybody this. I'm not asking Derek this. Well, I'll ask, I'm asking everybody. I guess it doesn't include Derek, does it? Does God have the right to make an example of someone. Just don't ask Pharaoh that question, okay? Leave him, leave him out. Well, actually, I'm thinking about a bunch of kings in the Old Testament. Can't ask them. No. The fact they're entire nations, that we can't ask that question. Yeah, God has made an example of a lot of folks. <laughs> oh, yeah. People, kings of Israel and kings of other nations and other nations as a whole and and that's what people don't like. 
um, because Soteriology 101 and, and all the rest of them, from their perspective, the, the rights of the individual, the need for everyone gets the same chance. There's no Bible verse on that one, by the way. Um, that's the overarching thing. The idea that God is working all things to praise of his glorious grace and that in the final analysis, what's going to happen is we are going to, in the future, be able to look back upon what God has done and not only say he's done all things justly, but we're going to be able to see how he demonstrated his glory and the nature of his attributes in everything that's taken place in creation. And that will include in the just condemnation of sinners who were given tremendous amount of light. And what that demonstrates is that the sin and rebellion that is illustrated in human existence can only be overcome by an all-powerful grace. It's it's not a matter of intelligence, because here's a very intelligent man. It's not a matter of how much light you have, because he has a lot of light. Intelligent man with a lot of light. From the, from the perspective, and I'm not sure, this did make me wonder why Soteriology, I know, I know why Soteriology 101 posted it, but the reality is, it doesn't prove their point. It proves the exact opposite. Here's a guy who knows the Bible, He's clearly intelligent. And he goes, yet, don't want it. It's, I, 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 I professed it, and I don't profess it anymore. What's he missing? Well, soteriology would have to put that all completely, well, you know, it's, he's, he just, he just needs to humble himself. Well, they're there. Yeah. I would say he definitely needs to humble himself. There's clearly pride involved. No, no question about that, but compare him to your average pagan in culture in the United States or in the West today. You know, I think of all sorts of people today. They do not have one one hundredth of the light that Derek Webb has been given in his life. I mean, we are literally now starting to look at people in our culture who are thoroughly secular. Their, their parents didn't, their grandparents didn't. They've never read the Bible. The public education system they've come up, they've come up in, giving them nothing. And so there are all sorts of people in our society that have significantly less light and knowledge than Derek Webb has. What chance do they have? If God can't get Derek Webb, is, is God trying? Is, that'd be a real question. Is God trying to get Derek Webb equally with everybody else? I, I mean, you have to, you have to answer those questions. And I'm not sure that, that Leighton really, um, does so consistently. Let's put it that way. That's always been the, the issue. But when, how do you handle 
encountering someone like this who says, I, I know everything you're going to tell me. And might, might know it better than you do. And the first, the first thing to remember is it's not your job to pretend to be the Holy Spirit of God. It is your job to speak the Spirit's truth. And if he already knows that, you know, maybe you can express it in some different words, but you you can't improve on what the Spirit's already, already written in Scripture. And so there are situations where you, you would look at someone and he himself said it right at the end. He says, hey, maybe I'm not elect. And he, that, to anyone with any spiritual life, should be absolutely terrifying. And maybe at other moments for Derek it is. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. Like I said, I, I learned about all this long after it took place. And so any relationship that we had had, he didn't consider to be worthwhile you know, inquiring of me or um, anything along those lines. So I, I don't know. He may be a completely tortured soul at night. I have no idea. But the fact is, he knows what God's word requires of him. And he knows that he will be held accountable for repentance. And the fact that he can just sip his latte and go might indeed indicate having been given over. And are those are there people who have been? If your theology is no, God God never gives anyone over. Despite Romans 1. We don't we can't that's we we're not going to worry about. That. Uh God never gives anyone over. Um you you just you just keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. Um, you, you look, you look in scripture, you find that's not the case, that, that, that there were times when God did that, not only in the old Testament, but in the new Testament as well, God brought punishment upon people. And, um, and, and the fact of the matter is people don't like a God. People want a God who holds punishment off until the end and then always leaves it open as to what the nature of that punishment is going to be. And so we can sort of hope that nothing will ever really come of it. The idea of a God who acts in justice in time very plainly today is not very popular. When I think of just how over the, the course of my own ministry, a large number of what used to be conservative individuals, how they have become extremely uh, embarrassed. I guess that, that's, the right, that's the right term. Extremely embarrassed about um, God's judgment in the Old Testament. Uh, the flood, um, Israel's... Uh, occupation of the promised land and being used as an instrument of judgment upon pagan nations 
that kind of stuff. Um, just so much embarrassment. And people have, have said, and, it, and it's well said, that there should not be any problem passages in the Bible. Not that there are not difficult passages in the Bible to interpret or to understand or to make application or to harmonize or whatever else. But it just seems that for many people, the reason there are problematic passages is because I just don't want to believe that God would be like that. And so I, I think that's where a lot of people are. They listen to something like this and they go, I, I don't want to have to say to someone, yeah, Everything that you're doing, have been doing for years, everything you're saying is indicative of a person who's been given over. They don't want to have to say that. Um, But there are people that are indeed like that. And uh, it should be terrifying uh, to all of us to see something like that. But but there it is. Um, You know, I was really, really hesitant to even mention this but i i just don't i don't see any way around it i'm not gonna play it but a video popped up in my feed earlier actually i i can find it since i'm not i did i i think i put that as a reply or something along those lines yeah yeah there it is fellow by the name of kamau kambon Author and owner of Blacknificent Books. Blacknificent Books. Um, a video a- appeared of him talking about the, the problems we face today. And the biggest problem, he's a black man, and the, the biggest problem from his perspective is the existence of white people. And he has this idea that white people act as a group. (laughs) And all of us white people go, we do? (laughs) I didn't know that. I missed the meetings. Well, that's true. Um, And that's where you get, well, it's not white people as a group. It's whiteness. And then you, and it just goes on from there. Anyway, this video appeared, and his conclusion was that the only way to solve all these problems is to wipe white people off the face of the earth. Kill them all. Just take take them off. Now, you, you see that kind of stuff on Twitter. There are some accounts that actually go searching for it and then repost it, like, ah, this is going on, you know, that type of thing. The thing, I always go back to somewhere in the 90s. I had just finished doing a ride down in South Mountain Park. I did it a lot in the 90s, evidently. And I was listening to the Michael Medved show. I don't even know if the Michael Medved show even exists any longer. It used to be one of the afternoon talk programs and then... Something happened, and he ended up crossways with somebody. I don't know. And he had this woman on, and they were talking about 
racism. So this isn't this is about a quarter century ago. And this person was arguing that they could not be a racist um, because they don't have power. And so it doesn't matter what. So, so in other words, the substance of racism was redefined into the power dynamics that now is just it's a given. Sadly, on almost any college campus, university campus in the West, it is now an accepted fact that you cannot be a racist if you don't, quote unquote, have power. So you can, your heart can be filled with hate. And it can be irrationally filled with prejudice and hatred and, and bias against someone solely because of the color of their skin. Not, it, it, it doesn't have to have anything to do with their character or their actions or anything. It, it's, it's like the other video that showed up about three days ago. The guy on the train. Did you see that one? You got a, a white couple and a baby. And they're sitting there and they're talking. And this black fellow. Now, I don't know if they were just ignoring him because. In, in any major city in America today. You're going to see people with earphones in talking loudly to themselves or to somebody on a phone or something. Or singing along or who knows? I, nobody knows. You know, that first started happening is sort of like, what's wrong with that person? And now, you know, you've got earbuds and stuff like that. So maybe they were just ignoring him because there are people who go around doing that. And there are lots and lots of people on trains and stuff like that that are talking loudly to to whoever's out there. You know, um, I I just went through a drive through on the way in and there was a guy near the beginning of the drive through and. He was telling the world something. I I don't know what he was telling them. I ain't going to stop to find out, but that's how, that's how it happens. So maybe at first they were just ignoring him. But it became very clear he was talking directly to them. And in fact, he was insulting the child. He started rapping. And that was the thing that caught my attention. To be able to rap the way spoken word type thing that he did there for a second. He's got a vocabulary. He's got a broad vocabulary. He knows what rhymes with what. And he's, he was using terms that most people do not utilize in their normal everyday conversation. And then he just, they get, they start to stand up to get off the train and he just gets in their face. And I'm a black American. You're beneath me, you know. And hey, you know, when, when the entire city of San Francisco is going, we're going to give $5 million. We're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're going to indebt everyone in the city of San Francisco um, with reparations, even though California was never a slave state or anything like that, and they didn't have slaves there anyways. And, but we're going to do it anyways. When you tell a particular group over and over again, here is something you cannot be. You cannot be a racist. That may be the single most effective way to create racism that has ever been imagined. 
well, you can't do that because you don't have power. What that says to them is, if you want to hate in your heart and you want to hate people that are different than you, go for it. It's good. Yeah. All right. And it's happening all around us. It's happening all around us. So this, once again, going, this is good. I'm going back to 2018 here when the MLK 50 thing happened. Saying the same thing now, got in trouble for it then. You know, Kyle James Howard, I wouldn't be in the same room with James White. I'd be afraid. <laughs> okay. Um, there is a biblical sin of racism. It's hatred in your heart toward a brother, t- toward a fellow human being that has no ground in their character. It's one thing to join with the psalmist and saying, my soul hates those who do evil. That's one thing. But to say, I hate black people is to demonstrate a fundamentally unregenerate heart. A heart that loves its sin and loves its rebellion. And it is identical to say that if you're a black person of white people or of, or of Asian people, or if you're Hispanic of black people or whatever, it doesn't matter. Biblically, racism is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of character. It's a matter of recognizing that there is one human race and many ethnicities. And to hate on that basis is really fundamentally a rebellion against God. Because God could have made you any color he wanted to. He made you the color that you are. And you are to honor and glorify him in light of where he's put you. But to engage in the kind of vitriol and nastiness that these people engage in. I don't care if you're black, white, orange, or yellow. Anyone can engage in the sin of racism. And if you want to damage your society and damage the people in it, tell them they can't be racists unless they have power. The poorest man, the poorest, most downtrodden man can have a heart filled with hatred and racism does not matter how much power that person has at all. At all. That's just simply biblical truth. That's biblical reality. And um, we need to recognize it. And it's just amazing the things. It's just so the examples that you can now present from just almost every day, just looking at your computer screen. Amazing thing. Amazing thing. Um, so. Let, let me just, I'm going to just go ahead and look at this. Um, I was pointed to an issue, this, this just further evidence that I was behind the eight ball on this stuff. This is the, from uh, 2020 from Credo Magazine. So Credo Magazine was heading down the great tradition road 
long before I had sniffed any of this stinky stuff in the air. And there's this description of the volume 10 issue for 2020 Credo magazine on eternal generations. And the description goes along these lines. Well, I'm reading the description from the website. The eternal generation, the sun has fallen on hard times in the last century. Evangelicals have dispensed with the doctrine in the spirit of a narrow biblicism. Then in italics, we just believe the Bible. So we stop again. I'm just point out. We've actually looked at a number of, well, at least a couple credo magazine articles so far. And we have found that, um, balance is not something that credo magazine is looking for. Um, credo magazine is looking to promote a particular perspective and, um, being accurate in the treatment of anybody who doesn't agree with their perspective is clearly not a high priority. Um, there are lots of evangelicals in the last century and this century that would speak of the eternal generation of the sun. Um, and I'm not sure what a narrow biblicism is. We just believe the Bible is being put forward as something to be mocked. Others have thrown out the doctrine because they cannot master the mystery of such a belief. Now notice, notice the terminology here dispensed with the doctrine, thrown out the doctrine. This is what's really troubling in looking at anything coming out of Credo, is that if you don't dot the I's and cross the T's where we tell you to, where we interpret the great tradition to say to do it. Now, we're going to sit here and tell you that we're actually sitting at the feet of the ancient interpreters, but The fact of the matter is, those ancient writers are interpreted in a number of different ways and always have been. You know, it's it's like, how many... (laughs) Ask the Dominicans. So you all all interpret Thomas in the same way, right? And that's how to make them all crack up, you know, just just while they all watch them all rolling on the ground laughing. Uh... Because everybody knows that's not the case. Uh, everybody knows that the the even the people who would call themselves Thomists, they're constantly writing books and articles against each other. Because you're interpreting voluminous writings that were written a long, long time ago. And so you've got certain Thomists that have this understanding of what his basic perspectives are. And then, well, no, I think you're wrong about that. That's over here. And that, that creates a whole other group over here. And so they write books against each other. <laughs> it's no end to it. But these folks want to pro- project this idea that, well, there's this one way of doing this and it's our way. So, uh, so dispense with the doctrine. um and throw out the doctrine, use, use these buzz, buzzwords rather than understand it differently than we do. Because that doesn't, that doesn't sell magazines. Um, others have thrown out the doctrine because they cannot master the mystery of such a belief. It just doesn't make sense. That's an italics like, we just believe the Bible. The consequences have been brutal. Brutal. 
listen to this, generation after generation has been cut off from Christian orthodoxy, period. Not has a uh, degraded view, not has missed what we think would be wonderful insights. Oh, no, 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 we can't. We can't allow that freedom. They have literally been cut off from Christian orthodoxy. They are not orthodox. We define orthodoxy. We, Baptists. <laughs> Sorry. Because that, that should immediately make you go, whoa, wait a minute. Wait, wait. Okay. Um, generation after generation has been cut off from Christian orthodoxy. Such just as egregious evangelicals have not learned how the warp and woof, one of my favorite phrases, of redemptive history reveals the son's origin from the father from all eternity. In this issue of Credo Magazine, the contributors abandon the critical spirit of our contemporary era. Yeah, just go ahead and just, our contemporary era, it's all one thing. Let's not, let's not worry about the vast differences that exist. It's, it's all one thing. The credo is just so propagandish. It's just, if you, if you recognize propaganda and the language of propaganda, it's like, it's just, it's pure propaganda. In this issue of Credo Magazine, the contributors abandon the critical spirit of our contemporary era and clothe themselves. Clothe them. <laughs> In Dominican robes. No, enclose themselves in a spirit of hermeneutical humility. Now, what well, it was funny because uh, it was only day yesterday, the day before yesterday, that that wild progressive dude on Twitter <laughs> um, used the same terminology. For a completely different perspective. But what they're both rejecting is narrow biblicism. For this guy, it's in favor of deconstructed anti-Christian woo-wooism. And for Credo, it's for great tradition. Um, they clothe themselves in a spirit of hermeneutical humility as they sit at the feet of ancient interpreters. They labor to understand why eternal generation not only serves to distinguish the son from the father, but safeguards the son's divine equality with the father. Now, you know what? A discussion of monogamous and what it could mean and all of that is important and worthwhile. And you all know what I would say. It needs to start with scripture. Not with a great tradition. It needs to start with scripture. Oh no, you can't do that. No, nope, can't do that. You gotta, you gotta, every man's gotta start someplace. And so you gotta start, you gotta get your foundation in this metaphysics and that metaphysics. Scripture is not enough, is what we're being told, to even allow you to start addressing this topic. Can't go there, can't do it. And this really is this smug arrogance of scholasticism. 
Well, you are a biblicist, uh, you know. Um, this is really, I think, what is coming to the fore. And, I, and I've said, this, this particular aspect of this debate will not continue. How do I know that? Because it hasn't in the past. It comes up. It, um, it draws away people. It, it causes people to go one direction or another. It causes people to come, become more radicalized one direction, more radicalized the other direction. It uh, creates delineation. It changes schools and their perspectives and directions. And then something else comes up in another area. And these, these things, they cycle. And this one will cycle faster than many others. And I'll tell you why. You can't preach Thomas Aquinas in an evangelical church very long without it ceasing to be evangelical, A, or B, without you losing your job in that evangelical church and being invited to move on to someplace that might want to hear, um, you know, a 12-week series on Thomas's doctrine of simplicity followed by a six-week series on how that demands us to do um, inseparable operations in the Thomistic fashion, not in a biblical fashion, but the Thomistic fashion. You, that's a good way to get yourself run out of town and run out of a pulpit, and probably correctly so, I would say. So it, it can't last forever, but it it is making clear distinctions, very clear distinctions. Um, and what'll, what you'll discover is when the next big thing comes along, that takes us right back to where do we start? How do we view, you know, is this, is this where we're going? Is that where we're going? Is this going to be on the reading list? Because it, it can be all sorts of different topics. I mean, this is exactly the thesis of the LGBTQI plus perspective. Right? That's, that's, that's where they are. Those clobber passages, they're obscure. We don't know what they mean. We don't know what marriage is. We don't know what man and woman is. We, 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 we know nothing because of the obscurity of Scripture. And Rome says, we will rescue you from that with Pope Francis. <laughs> There's the problem. There's the problem. Anyway, all righty. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that Brave puts the, the various tabs back up, or I would never have remembered to have gone back to that Soteriology 101 thing. Um, but that's very, very, it's very helpful for those of us who are getting older and forgetting things. So anyway, uh, so next week, uh, wait a minute. When do I, I think I, yeah, I actually leave on Tuesday. So um, I'll be leaving Tuesday morning. So right now, my thinking would be we will be doing a uh, mobile edition of the Dividing Line uh, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening from Las Vegas. Yeah, we just need to make sure that, um, you know, it's ready to go. Nothing's going to fall off of it along the way, and we'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's 
it's our, it, this will, you know, I took it up to Prescott Valley and, you know, we found an issue there that we, we hopefully will deal with tomorrow morning. Um, Made you very nervous, didn't it? <laughs> oh, very yeah. nervous. Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. I don't have I don't have any any hills as big as that to go to to Las Vegas, but I do to get up yeah. to Cedar City. Yeah. Well, it is disturbing when you're going down the road and you look to your right and there's your 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 trailer right next to you. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. that's a problem. Yeah. For anybody who's wondering, our hitch is not supposed to move. It's not supposed to swivel in in the head in the in the truck and the hitch in the truck. Well, she was moving, <laughs> and that was the first time that had happened. And we, we, we had theories, and we still have, we've got pretty good theories as to why that was. Uh, and the, the main element of that theory is Rich and I know more about that hitch than the people who sold us the unit. <laughs> we, have, we literally have more experience dealing with it than they do, and they didn't do it right. So literally tomorrow morning, we're doing it right, and... Uh, I guess I will have to give an honest uh, report <laughs> once I get to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> once I get to Vegas, and 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 it, and and the, and and the truck and the unit arrive at the same time in Vegas, which is the ideal situation when pulling a fifth wheel. Yeah, you don't want it to get there before you do. <laughs> no, 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 or after either one. It needs to be a, a simultaneous arrival. <laughs> um. Yeah, we will have to report on on how we're doing on that particular level. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, I bet you never thought back when you uh, gave up your job and started working for Alpha Mega Ministries that um, that eventually part of your level of expertise would be all things RV ish. Um, you know, I bet you that that was never when I was getting on those. 747s and flying off to London that that wasn't really on the on the radar screen but but here we are there, there you go there you go okay so next week we'll see a pray for uh, traveling mercies and uh, for the debate coming up and I will excuse me I will be speaking in Cedar City twice one of those is on uh, Bart Ehrman so if you're in the area uh, come out and uh, and listen in I'll be at the Southern Utah University not sure exactly where, but we'll put the stuff up on, on the blog and we get it. Uh, you could probably go to Jason Wallace's page, um, uh, church's page up there on Facebook and get all that information. I don't think we've posted it yet, but we need to. So thanks for watching the program. We'll see you next time. God bless.